Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, Do you not see all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word radio Bible study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for being with us on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell. He finishes up Matthew chapter 23 and begins chapter 24. In these passages, we see Jesus full of compassion for Jerusalem and those living in it. He wanted so much for them to come to him and to receive him as their Messiah, but they would not. You know, each person has a choice to make in regard to the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. What has been your decision? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is yet a future hope for the nation of Israel. When they will say these words, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they will fulfill Psalm 118, verse 26, and Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. This will occur at Jesus' second coming, as will be shown in Matthew chapter 24. Well, let's join Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Again, will you please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 23. And we're right down at the end of the chapter, verse 37 down through verse 39, those last three verses in the chapter. And may I again remind you, we are taking up the last week of our Lord's life and ministry among men on earth, and he has just pronounced eight terrible woes upon the Pharisees and the scribes because of their hypocrisy, the emptiness of their hearts, when outwardly they were trying to deceive, very religious without God. Now, when you come to these last three verses of the chapter, we find where we have the last words of our Savior, and if I may say, his sorrowful withdrawal from the nation. He pronounces his rejection on the city and on the temple. 
and upon the people. Because starting chapter 24 and 25, we have the predictions of the king. He predicts his coming to the earth in the end of the age. In chapter 26 and 27, you have his betrayal and death. In chapter 28, you have his resurrection. So when we come to the end of chapter 23, we have his heart going out sorrowful because he has had to reject his people because of their unbelief, because of their hardness of heart, because they had no place for him. And my friend, may I say that the Lord Jesus is the same today? I've oftentimes wondered how the Lord feels toward a generation here in America who have had the word of God in their homes, churches on nearly every corner, preachers and evangelists and teachers, and yet as a nation, the most of our nation have turned against the living God. Oh, how it must grieve his heart, even among his own people, those who are his children, how slow we are to accept what he has to say. Now let us turn to our study in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. I repeat it, after having pronounced the seven, the eight terrible woes upon these Pharisees, we read these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now you notice in verse 37, when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, he's dealing here with the nation, not only the city of Jerusalem, but the whole nation, because Jerusalem was the center of the nation. It was the center of their worship. This is where the temple was. They may have had synagogues in different towns and villages, but the temple was at Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was the center of the nation. And here in verse 37, you have our Lord rejecting not only its leaders, but the whole nation. And he was filled with sorrow. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You can just see our Lord's heart breaking over the city and over the people to whom he had come. You remember in Luke's gospel, on his way to Jerusalem at the last week of his life among men, as he came from Jericho and he saw the city, do you remember he wept over the city? Why? because they were choosing a destroyer instead of a deliverer. He knew that the city and the temple were going to be destroyed. He told them this, and he wept over the city. He wept loud. Oh, how his heart yearned over his people. His heart was broken because of the unbelief of his people and because they had rejected him. They had rejected his message they had rejected his saviorhood. Oh, Jerusalem, I would like to have gathered you together. Even though you've stoned the prophets and you've killed some of my people, I would still gather you as a mother takes her babies to her arms, but you would not. I repeat what I said in our last lesson. It is not that they couldn't. They wouldn't come. So we have the rejection of the 
of his people in verse 37. Then we have the rejection of the temple in verse 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, the Lord leaving his temple. And you remember in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. It has never been rebuilt. Even though today we have a nation who would love to build its temple. They've got the temple grounds. But we have two mosques on the temple grounds. The mosque of Omar with its golden roof. Where the, where the Muslims go to worship. And Israel without a temple. Oh, they're in their land, a nation, with their own government, with their own city, but without their temple. In fact, I would say, if I might inject here, if they were to build their temple today, today, you'd have a war. They would have a war on their hands with the Muslims. I leave your house unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, in verse 37, the rejection of the nation is people. In verse 38, the rejection of the temple. It's no longer Father's house. And now we come to verse 39. You have his prophecy. For I say unto you, you shall not see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, if you have your Bibles, I wish you might turn with me to a little prophet called Hosea. Hosea, uh, chapter 5. You know, Hosea follows right after Daniel. You come to chapter 5, the last verse. Now look at what Hosea says. And remember what our Lord said here in Matthew. The last verse of Hosea 5 reads thus. God is speaking through his servant, Hosea, when he says, I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, in their tribulation, they will seek me earnestly or early, saying, Come, let us return unto the Lord. Now remove the chapter division between that. Uh, it goes right on through. If you have a Hebrew Bible, you will notice this. In their affliction they will seek me earnestly, or early, saying, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, and so on. I'm not going to go any further in the, in the prophecy, except these Two or three verses. The last verse of Hosea 5, it's verse 15, and chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, you may think that I'm a little fanciful on this, but I would like to, to stir your appetites for the Word of God. You remember in the book of John, when our Lord came on the scene, John goes off the scene. In John 1.29, John the Baptist said, introducing Jesus to Israel, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. Then I read in about 35 and 36, And the next day he seeth Jesus coming, and he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. 
and there were two who followed him, Andrew and John. And you remember, Andrew went out and got Peter and brought him to the Lord. Then I read, on the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and found Philip, who was a Bethsaida, and he said, follow me. And he followed him. And then the chapter ends where the Lord speaks to Nathanael, you marvel at what I have said to you, you shall see the Son of God coming uh, in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You'll see him coming uh, to the earth, as he's talking about. And then the very next verse in chapter 2 of John, which says, on the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Now, I say you might think I'm very fanciful, but in, in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You have the cross. And then you have two days of our Lord gathering disciples unto himself. And then, you remember, Nathaniel said to Jesus when he, when he saw him, he said, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And the Lord Jesus said, Because I said to thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. And I read down in verse, uh, toward the end of the chapter, verse 11, And Jesus, this is the beginning of signs, did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee, and manif manifested forth his glory. And who was there? His mother and his brethren and his disciples. And that second chapter of, of John's Gospel where he turned water into wine is a picture of the millennial scene where our Lord is coming, has come in his glory and set up his kingdom and when he manifests forth his glory. I just suggest this two days. You had the same thing in John chapter 4 when our Lord went down to Samaria. He tarried there two days and then he came back to his own country. And you remember the, the nobleman asked that his son be healed. And Jesus said, you'll not believe unless you see signs. And he said, sir, come down here, my child die. I don't want signs. You know what a picture this is, if I may gather it all together. Uh, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15 through chapter 6, the first two verses. And then take Matthew chapter 23, the last verse, which we were reading to you a moment ago when he said, You shall not see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And when will this be? In the time of Jacob's sorrow. When we come to chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, we may take more of this up. But I'd like to suggest in this connection, Israel as a nation will not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ until in their tribulation, under the judgment of God, in desperation, when they're surrounded by the nations of the earth who seek to, do, to obliterate the Jew from the earth, in desperation they will cry for their Messiah. And when he comes, behold, it is Jesus. But when we come to Zechariah, in the 12th and 13th and 14th chapters, where you have the Lord coming in his glory, remember, they shall look upon him whom they pierced and shall say, where did you receive these wounds? And he shall say, I received them in the house of my friend. Then you've got a nation in repentance, in mourning. I suggest these things just for your thinking.
To me, it's an amazing thing. This is the end of the book of Matthew as far as the nation is concerned. 24 and 25, you have the king predicting the future. When we come to chapters 26 and 27, he's betrayed and he's judged and he's crucified and buried. Chapter 28 starts with his resurrection and ends with him giving his final word to his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. But the end of it is right here in chapter 23. And if one were to take the time to go right through the whole book of Matthew again, you will notice how this thing, one thing follows another. Our Lord proved his legal right to the throne. He has proved his moral right to the throne. He has proved his judicial right to the throne. He has proved his prophetical right to the throne. And then the nation rejects the king. Then the king rejects the nation. And then our Lord gives us his parables in chapter 13, what's going to happen while he's absent. And then from 14 on, right on down through chapter 20, you have where our Lord is instructing his disciples. In 21, 22, and 23, the last week on earth, starting with his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, the cleansing of the temple, uh, the healing of the, of the blind and the lame, the opposition of the leaders, the cursing of the fig tree, the parables concerning the Pharisees and his people, and then finally his judgment upon these Pharisees and scribes when you have the eight woes, closing up with a heart that is broken for Israel. I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you wouldn't. You just didn't want me. Hence, I leave you. I reject you. And I leave your house, your temple, desolate. And in 70 AD, it was destroyed. And you'll not see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the last they saw of him was hanging on a cross after they had said to Potter, We will not have this one rule over us. The final open, outward rejection of Jesus Christ. And they'll not see him again until he comes in his glory. And when he comes, they're going to acknowledge him as their Messiah, as their Savior, as their Lord. Now, starting in at chapter 24 and 25, we have the predictions of the king. And I would like, if I may be allowed to do this, just to read those first three verses, because this would be the key to the chapter. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him. And by the way, that's the last time he is in the temple. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, Do you not see all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. May I just stop here for a moment? This was the last thing the disciples expected the Lord to say. You know, from chapter 16, where our Lord, first of all, prophesied or declared, uh, announced that he was going to suffer and die and be buried. And you remember Peter said, get that idea out of your head, Lord, this be far from thee. Then in chapter 18, he repeats it. And then in chapter 20, three times he announced his suffering and death. But from chapter 16, the first time on through, till he was crucified, these disciples didn't know what to make of the Savior. They couldn't think that he, who had proved his prophetical right to the throne, this one of whom Peter had said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
They couldn't believe he was going to suffer and die. So when, when they left the temple, the disciples said, Look at here, Lord. Look at the wonderful temple we have here. Look at these great stones. And by the way, they were tremendous stones. The foundation of the temple was built upon tremendous stones. And the Lord said, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. I say again, this is the last thing they expected the Lord Jesus to say. You mean that this temple of God is going to be thrown down? Do you mean this beautiful building, which took years to build, is going to be desecrated and destroyed, not one stone upon another? I say again, these poor disciples, it was hard for them to understand what the Lord was saying these last days of his life among men. Listen, I leave your house unto you desolate. Lord, look at these great stones. Look at this great temple. I say to you, there'll not be one stone left upon another. And you know, and I know from history, that in 70 AD, the temple and the city was destroyed by Titus, the Roman general. And if you were to go over to Israel today and look down upon the, uh, the temple place, or the place where the temple was built, you'll find nothing of the ancient temple. You'll find great stones there. You'll find uh, the Mosque of Omar there. But the temple is not built. This the disciples thought would go on because it was God's house. He would take care of his own house. So when we come to chapter 4 and 25, we're going to be dealing with the prophetical side of our Lord's ministry, the predictions of the king, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age. And then the Lord goes beyond what they thought, and for two solid chapters, he answers their question, the signs of his coming and the end of the age. I wish you might read chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew and saturate your mind with it. And may the Lord make it real to you for his name's sake. I have found a deep peace that I never had known And a joy this world could not afford Since I Shall be ordered by thee. Th 
that my will be in perfect accord with thine own sovereign will thy desire to fulfill my wonderful wonderful Lord my Trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life